This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I'm not going to be talking about one specific passage like I usually do, but I'm going to be taking more of a big picture view at the Gospel of Mark. Because I I remembered, I heard a message at church, it's been probably a few weeks ago now, that reminded me of something that I remember one of my college professors saying, is that the book of Mark is sometimes called the the on-the-way gospel. And part of the reason for that is because it's a lot shorter than the other gospels. Mark is 16 chapters compared to Matthew at 28, Luke 24, and John 21. So it's a lot shorter. I mean, that's five chapters shorter than the second shortest gospel, that's John. And because of that, it's a lot more action-packed. So, you know, the gospels are all telling generally the same stories. They're not exactly the same. They're not in exactly the same order, but telling generally the same stories. And Mark does it in a lot fewer chapters. So the the chapters there are a lot more action-packed and a lot more, as my professor said, on the way, on the move. And so when I was reminded of that, it's been 10 years probably since I was sitting in that class and remember him saying that. So I decided to Google it and just kind of get a refresher on why it was called that and all those kind of things. And when I Googled it and started looking around to see, you know, what, where the origin of calling it the on the way gospel came from, I didn't really find any results when I (laughs) was searching. And so it made me ask, like, okay, maybe this professor was kind of doing that thing where if you want to make your own idea sound like it has, I don't know, more gravitas or more legitimacy, you can kind of say, well, people sometimes say this, and you can kind of get your own idea out there under the guise of, hey, this is something that people already think. And I don't know if he was doing that or just it was an idea that he had come across from somebody else and it it does line up. Even if people don't really call Mark the on-the-way gospel, what we do see when we look at the book is we see Jesus on the move. We see him going from place to place to place. And we see the way things happen in those moments of movement, in the things that we would kind of call in-between moments. And when I started to connect this to my own life, well, first let me kind of jump in and highlight a few of the things here that happen in the book of Mark on the way. I think that will help it make more sense before I start talking about where I see parallels with us. So the first time 
that it really jumps out to you what Jesus is doing here is Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? And in that moment, Jesus takes some time with his disciples. They give him some feedback and say, Well, some people think, you know, you're um, John the Baptist. Others think Elijah. Some think one of the prophets. And then Jesus asks, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and he tells Jesus, you are the Messiah. And that's the word that we use sometimes, uh, or not sometimes, but we think of Jesus Christ as being his name. But it really is the title, this Christos, that's why it's pronounced Christ, is the Messiah, the anointed one, the, you know, a way, this isn't the direct translation, but the way that we would think of it would be the one who was promised. And so Peter, in this moment, while they're on the way, Jesus is asking this deep question and spending some time. Now, he's not really doing You wouldn't categorize this as teaching, but there's some important knowledge being passed back and forth here. And then a little bit later, uh, I was going to say a couple chapters later, but it's actually Mark 9. So one chapter later, Jesus asked his disciples, they had been on the way somewhere into uh, Capernaum. And Jesus asked his disciples, hey, what were you guys arguing about back there on the way? And they didn't want to tell him because if you remember in the Gospels, there were times where his disciples were trying to figure out who was the top disciple, (laughs) right? Who, when they're in heaven, who gets to sit at the right hand of Jesus? Who's the most important of all of us. And you can imagine that just knowing how people are, there were probably a few of the disciples that believed they were the most important disciple. There were probably a few of them that thought, well, I'm not the top one, but I'm probably in tier one. I'm one of the top few. Probably some thought, you know, hey, I, I get there's there's more important disciples that are closer to Jesus than I am, but I'm in tier two for sure. So you get this, right? This is a normal people thing. This is the idea of ranking your best friends or hopefully you don't do that, but we all have, we've got an inner circle and then you've got people that are really close, but they're not in the inner, inner circle. And Jesus is asking, what were you guys arguing about back there? And they were arguing about this, this who's in the inner circle, who's the top disciple. And they were embarrassed and they didn't want to tell them that that's what they were talking about. And we see these two moments where, like I said, you might not quite categorize this as 
teaching in the traditional way. But what we see is that on the way, Jesus is using this time to be intentional about investing in his disciples, about asking questions that get to the heart of things. And what I'm reminded of for my life and what, you know, what you've heard me talk about several times in different episodes, specifically as it relates to my own health journey, is that I've found often that the way God shows up is in on the way kind of showing up. Because it can be so easy to get fixated on the destination. And I'm guessing that, you know, you picture the way Jesus and his disciples traveled was not the way we do. You know, we think of a place that's 20 miles away as being 20 minutes away because we get on the highway and we can get there quick driving. But if they were going somewhere 20 miles away, that's quite a walk. You know, you figure you probably walk at around a 15-minute pace per mile, maybe because they walked a lot more than we do. They walked maybe a little quicker than that. And maybe I'm not even right. Maybe 15 minutes is faster than the average person would walk a mile. But they're on the road if they're going 20 miles for a long time. And it could be easy for these disciples to be thinking, hey, when we reach the destination, when we get to Caesarea Philippi, when we get to Capernaum, when we get where we're going, then something significant can happen. And what we see here instead is Jesus taking advantage of these on-the-way moments to meet with people, to connect with people, to, and like I was saying, it's not quite teaching, but it's investing, it's connecting in with them. And it it kind of reminds me, we have in our uh, lunchroom here at Winning at Home on the, so we have counseling as well as speaking and local community events and kind of the operations that goes with running a ministry. And so because the counseling needs um, some space and we want to provide privacy for clients that are coming in, we have two separate office spaces. And so the lunchroom that's over by the counseling offices, that's where I'll grab my lunch or sometimes sit in there and eat, but sometimes just grab it and eat at my desk. There's a little whiteboard in there that people write different things on. You know, sometimes it's a little joke like we all imagine we're doing at our places of work, but it's often an encouraging or challenging or inspiring quote, whether that's from scripture or from something else. And what's up there I don't know if it's still up there, but what was up there last week was a quote from Richard Foster from The Celebration of Discipline. Maybe you're familiar with that book. 
And I don't know that I'm going to get it exactly right, but what I remember reading was people say that prayer changes things, and that's true. But more importantly, prayer changes us. And I don't know how that hits you in the moment, but how it hits me knowing my journey of spending time praying, God, in my health situation, here's how I need you to show up. I need you to fix this. I need you to, whether it's through getting a diagnosis, whether it's through finding the right doctor that has the right treatment, or whether it's through you just doing a miraculous work and tomorrow I wake up and I feel better. Or right now, at the snap of a finger, God, you do your thing and I, I just feel better. However it looks, I don't care. You, I'm, God, I'm giving you lots of different options, right? This is what we do. You've, you've got lots of different ways you can get me to the destination, but here's the destination that I need you to get me to. And what I've found is that's not been my experience. Instead, I feel like I'm kind of living life on the way. And what I've found is that God has met me. And just like this passage from Richard Foster, prayer changes things, that's true. But more importantly, prayer changes us. And what I've found is as I've asked God to show up, now I knew exactly what I meant by that. God, show up, and sometimes I would say it, sometimes I wouldn't, and heal me. I might not say the and heal me part, but that was implied. And what happened for me, this is over the course of years, and if you've listened, you know, especially some of the early, I don't know, some of the probably episode 5 through 10 I really spend time talking about what this journey looked like for me. The episode on meditation, and I think, I'm pulling up the list, I, I think that there was an episode in there. Um, let's see here. Episode 7, 8, those I think really, I kind of share my journey through this. But what I found as I surrendered to God and finally let go of, God, here's how you need to show up. Here's the only way I'll accept that it's you that showed up. I need you to heal me. And what I found is over time, prayer and for me, the practice of meditation of listening and waiting on God brought me to a point where I realized that in some strange way that even feels weird to say, I experienced a different kind of healing. And what I'm 
living with right now is constant dealing with my health stuff, constant lightheaded dizziness, feel like I slept one hour last night, all day, every day. But God met me along the way. And what I've found is the reason I think I connect so much with this idea that I read on this whiteboard in my lunchroom from Richard Foster is that prayer changes us. I've experienced not the healing that I wanted, not the healing that I pictured, not the healing that I prayed for, but I've experienced in a different way healing. Because what I've realized is that God is with me. God is doing his thing while we're on the way, while we're on the journey. That's why the book that I wrote about my experience with this, I called it Journeying with Pain. Because I'm still here. I'm still living it. And even though at the beginning... I felt like the two things can't coexist of me still experiencing this pain and turmoil and God being with me and caring about me. Because if we're honest, that's the way that we think, right? We think if God cares, I can't still be living with this stuff. And what prayer and meditation did for me is it changed me and it brought me to this realization that the healing I was thinking I needed um, I didn't experience that and even though that would still be really nice I would love to find out what's causing this I would love to get a solution but on the way what I've found is God's with me. God's meeting me. God's teaching me. And I've grown so much on this journey. It's been really amazing how different I am than I was five years ago or six years ago or seven years ago. I think this has been going for eight years now. And I've grown so much along the journey. And what I see here from Jesus is that he's with his disciples on the way and he's bringing these different ideas and challenges and and bringing depth to these moments. And in the same way, he's journeying with us, with whatever we're in the midst of, and he's wanting us to be open to what he has to speak into our lives. So those are um, the first two kind of snapshots I wanted to look at in this episode. And then the next couple are some things that are maybe more what we traditionally think of as things that Jesus did when he was on the way from one place to another. There's kind of more toward the end of the book, of Mark, Jesus comes across two people. And the first one is someone that 
If you are familiar with the Gospels, you probably know this guy just as the rich young man or the rich young ruler. There was someone who, as Jesus was on the way, he came up to him and he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then he describes that he's followed all the commands. He's done everything that God has asked of him. And Jesus says, that's awesome that you've done all that. There's just one thing that's missing. He said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And if you know the story, you know that Mark says, the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. And it's kind of implied there right after, and he wasn't willing to give it up. And then the next little snapshot that kind of is connected to this one, Jesus is walking on his way and a blind man was on the side of the road begging and he, he catches Jesus' attention and Jesus heals him and sends him on his way. And when I see those two things, it's not to compare and contrast those two things But it's a reminder that these people that came up and stopped Jesus or called out and stopped Jesus easily could have been viewed by him and by his disciples and by just an observer of the story as a distraction, as a disruption. Hey, sorry, you're you're trying to stop me, but I'm kind of in the middle of something here. I'm on my way somewhere. And I have important things to do. I can't really be distracted, disrupted, bothered. I've got my blinders on because I've got something in my mind, my focus, my destination. And I don't really have time for this right now. But that's not what he did. And when we think of Jesus' ministry, at least when I do, what I think of first is not so much his teaching, but it's these little interactions. It's these moments where he's stopping and healing people, where he's stopping and talking to and touching people that he's not expected to talk to and touch, that he quote-unquote should have been too busy for or too important for. But what we see, and like I said, this is, to me, one of the first things that pops into my head about who Jesus was, is he's stopping and chatting with people that you wouldn't really expect him to stop and chat with. With people that if you and I are honest, people that you and I don't stop and chat with. People that are kind of peripheral to our lives and definitely aren't going to be helping us achieve what we're in the middle of trying to achieve, whether that's as simple as just getting from where I am now to work or to school or to drop the kids off or pick the kids up or whatever it is. It can be so easy to just get focused in on what we're doing. And hey, sorry, I'm in the middle of something. 
I'm on the way from this place to that place. I'm not saying this to bring a sense of guilt or to bring a sense of, hey, everyone that ever tries to get your attention, you owe it to them to give them your attention. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that what Jesus models here is an openness, is a willingness to put aside what I'm in the middle of and care for the people around me. And so like I'm saying, this is not just a, hey, anyone that ever tries to harass you in public or tries to, you know, ask you for your time to sign their petition or ask for money or food or I'm not saying every single time this is this now has to be your life when you're going from point a to point b anyone that tries to get your attention you stop and you give them whatever they're asking you talk to them as long as they need but what I'm saying is Jesus is modeling here keeping his eyes open and not being so dialed in on only his agenda that he misses what's going on around him. Because these moments are significant. And it can be really easy for us to be laser focused on our thing. To be, whether it's literally or metaphorically, on the way and be in the middle of something, be doing something that's important so much so that we miss an opportunity somewhere, maybe our spouse, maybe our kids, maybe our coworkers, maybe our neighbor, maybe someone that we don't know that's on the side of the road with a flat tire, right? These are the ways that I think sometimes this parallels to our lives. And I've had, you know, Annalise has talked to me about, hey, I don't know that I love that you do this. And I'm not saying that this needs to be anybody's practice because maybe this isn't the smartest thing for me to do. But sometimes the way this shows up in my life is if I see people walking on the side of the road, not just if it's nice out and it's whatever, but times where there's rain or snow or it's super cold or it looks like people are struggling to carry their bags or what. These are all times where I've been driving down the road and sometimes I see people and I don't feel any kind of impulse or compulsion to stop, but sometimes I do. And I'll drive past and go, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. But I, 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 feel like I feel like I should go and give this person a ride to where they're going. And so I'll turn around and I'll pull over and offer to give them a ride. Sometimes people turn you down and say, hey, no, nah, I'm, I'm all set. Sometimes people say, yeah, I, thank you. I didn't know how I was going to get to this place in time. I didn't know, you know, I've dropped people off at, um, the police station because they needed to go see someone about a court thing. I've dropped people off at the bus station because they needed to 
make their bus and they were far enough away from the the station that they weren't going to make it in time on their own. Giving people rides home in just torrential downpour rain that came out of nowhere. And I, I'm not saying, again, I, I want you to hear this because like I said, my own wife gets onto me, not gets onto me, but she's like, yeah, I'm not sure that's the smartest thing for you to be doing. And I'm not trying to say, put yourself in a spot that's unsafe. Do something that is unwise. But what I'm saying is, it can be really easy for us to go through life with blinders, to feel that pull of, hey, this person that's on the corner asking for money, 90% of the time, I don't feel this. I look and I say, I hate that someone's in a tough spot, but I don't feel like I need to give them anything. But sometimes I do. And I, I think we all know that feeling and it can be easy to self-justify and say, yeah, but you know, I'm sure that it's, this is how they're going to use the money. So I don't want to give it to them. I think, Hey, if you didn't want to be walking out in the rain, maybe you shouldn't have started walking when it was raining out. It can be so easy. And I know I'm just giving those examples because that's what it's looked like for me. But I'm guessing for you, it probably looks different. And it means when you can tell you've asked someone how they're doing and they're, they say they're doing okay, but you can tell not quite, Sometimes, if we're honest, we go, okay, well, I'm glad they at least pretended like they're okay because I don't really have time for that right now. Kind of focus on something else or doing something else or not sure I want to have a big, long 30-minute emotional conversation. I'm just going to pretend like I think they convinced me that they're okay. And I think that what we see Jesus model here is as he's on the way, as he has excuses or reasons why it would have made sense for him to tell these people, hey, I don't have time for this right now. I got to get going. I'm, I'm really important. You guys don't know this yet, but I'm really important, like the most important person in human history. So I got to get moving. And we see he gave time to people that if we're honest, we maybe wouldn't have. We maybe don't. We maybe haven't today. We maybe have passed up one of those opportunities. And like I said, I, I don't think that guilt works as a motivator. That's not in any way, shape, or form what I'm trying to do here. But I do have a feeling that, like me, some of us are hearing this and going, yep, I, I do know that feeling, and I have tried to silence it, silence my inner voice going, hey, I think this is what I should do. I should try to connect in and help this person. And we've convinced ourselves we're too busy, we're too important, we're too whatever and just kind of breezed on by because we're 
on the way. We're in the middle of something. And what I love is from the Gospel of Mark, this, whether me and this college professor are the only people calling it this, this on-the-way gospel, we see two things about what God is like as we look at Jesus' life. We see that he's connecting with us and wants to connect with us on the way, in the midst of stuff, in the middle of the journey. And we also see that he has this care for people, this draw that even when it'd be easier and more preferable, probably he probably felt like, hey, I'd rather just kind of keep on my way here so I can get to my destination. He spent time caring for people that were hurting around him, that were in need, that sometimes just wanted his attention. And when Jesus models these things and when his life teaches us these things, I think we would be wise to say, okay, if he's our model here on earth, what does that mean for us? What does that mean my life needs to look different now as a result of knowing this about what God is like or being reminded of this about what God is like. And then we go do it. We allow him to meet with us while we're in the middle of stuff. And we, we practice connecting with other people while we and they are in the middle of stuff. And when we do that, we're going to look more and more like Jesus.